Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. And I'm so very glad that you've joined us right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Every Monday night, you find us here right at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock in the Central Time Zone, 7 o'clock in the Pacific, 6 o'clock, uh, shall I say 7 o'clock in the Mountain, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, this is where you'll find us each and every Monday night. This show is always designed with the hope of bringing forth hope and healing to those that have been impacted by the issue of domestic violence, abuse rejection, abandonment, or whatever has caused you pain, this show is designed with you in mind. I'm so glad to join us here on this President's Day uh, evening here in the United States. And for those of you that are listening in other countries, we welcome you today uh, to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I trust that everyone had a beautiful uh, Valentine's Day weekend, that you had opportunity to show love and show authenticity of love inside of all of these things. And so we're very glad that you're here with us today. And if you're joining us for the very first time, this show here has reached out to thousands upon thousands inside of the area of addressing difficult topics such as domestic violence, sexual violence, spiritual abuse, uh, child abuse, abandonment, rejection, all of those things there, divorce, and whatever has caused pain. It is designed to be able to bring into mind the fact that there is hope and there is healing. And we understand that healing is a process, and we're glad to be a part of that tonight. So you can join us here each, every, every night, every Monday night, you can find us here. Uh, so we're looking at whatever you need tonight. We hope that we can be able to address it through conversation, through word, through deed, whatever manner that we can, that it is fruitful uh, and making it happen for you. So I look forward to it, and I look forward to you being my guest. I look forward to all of those you that are listening in from across the country. For those of you that are listening by way of Internet, you uh, you can reach us at www.soulofamericaradio.com. Go to Hope and Healing tab. And, uh, you know, uh, and those of you that are listening to us by way of telephone or you like to listen to us by telephone, air code 323-784-963. 
Hey, 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us. Uh, we will be here with you in mind and to take your call. You don't have to always give your name, but you can definitely comment and give us some feedback. Uh, uh, you can reach us once again here. And if you'd like to reach us by email, I want you to reach us by this email, transforminglives2000 at gmail.com. Transforminglives2000 at gmail.com. Uh, uh, so uh, I am going to get us all ready today, and I'm so excited because of the fact I think there's some real things that we want to talk about tonight. I think some things that directly impact uh, the family. Anything that impacts the family, I think that we need to talk about it. I think there are a lot of things that are happening around us, a lot of cases that are going on that we need to bring uh, some attention to. And so as we bring attention to it tonight, I want us to be able to have some real serious dialogue about so many things. As I said, you know, yesterday was Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving, right tonight, maybe. Yesterday was Valentine's Night, a Valentine's Day, and many people celebrated that time, time with family, time with friends, time to celebrate love and all those things there. Yet it's still, there are those that did not come out with that same outcome. There were many that found themselves dealing with things that truly impacted them in such a way that it uh, broke their spirit. It did not define love, but rather it defined abuse. There are many uh, that will actually brought back into the situation on yesterday because of the fact this is a prominent time that uh, the perpetrator will try to get back with the victim, will try to do anything it can to reconcile. And so we about those things. But I also want you to understand that there's also is this time where when we look at the things that are going on around us, that we have an opportunity to make a difference in a tremendous way. And so tonight I want to highlight a few things that have happened over the last seven, eight, nine, ten days. Uh, in time past, I, I, I really relied a lot on uh, hope and healing, uh, journey to hold us, have relied a lot on domestic violence crime watch. And domestic violence crime watch, what are you talking about? Well, the domestic violence crime watch is a tremendous page that allowed us the opportunity uh, to do some things that was uh, very informative. We were able to cite cases from across the country where there had been recent domestic violence situations to have occurred, and was able to not only recite them, but was able to uh, be able to bring those cases up here and have great dialogue, and I want to do that tonight. Now, I hope that those of you that are listening and you are my regular listeners, that uh, you are hearing me clearer tonight. We're trying a different set tonight where we have what we call direct contact and direct connect, I should say. And so I'm hoping that someone will inform me whether or not this is uh, actually uh, direct connect. And I'm hoping that will be uh, the thing that we need to do. And so, and having said that, I'm just going to reach out to you and tell you that tonight has the potential to be a great show, and you're going to make it that. And uh, we will definitely make sure that we will make it all that we can uh, to be informative to you, to be something that you can uh, have a part in, because I believe that this is crucial. There are people that are living every day of their lives in what you may think is a state of normalcy and that they're okay, but the reality is is that they're not. They are suffering in silence. They are doing things. They're, they're dealing with things that they don't want anyone to know about. They're dealing with hurt. They're dealing with pain. They're, they're dealing with a lot of different things there. And so having said that, I just want you to know that this is an opportunity uh, for people to be healed, oftentimes to have a dialogue about something 
that has been so deeply buried on the inside of them. But creating this atmosphere, creating this uh, opportunity actually brings life to them. And that's what we're about. We want to bring life to the situations that are around us. We want to bring life to those that may be impacted by this abuse. I am grateful as uh, we have just returned from uh, uh, Oakland, California, in the Bay Area over the weekend, over last, actually since last Wednesday, and uh, we have opportunity to be there uh, as we uh, address quite a few people as uh, far as pastors and clergy there in the Oakland area and the greater uh, Bay Area there inside of addressing the issue of domestic violence. And so those are things that have uh, been very beneficial and instrumental to those pastors who were there, because we believe that in order to change, in order to make our congregation safe, in order to make families safe, we have to be able to educate them. We must be able to hear where they're hurting and being able to respond to that hurt. I think that is crucial on every side. It is crucial on every side that we make a difference inside of what we're doing. So area code 323-784-9638, area code, area code once again, 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us tonight here on Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. Now, as we get ready to get our night started, there are some things that I really want you to participate in tonight. I want to hear from you tonight because I think this is crucial. I think it's crucial that we look at what we're dealing with in this day and time. I'm going to cite a few cases for you in just a little bit, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to join in. I'm going to cite a few cases that I think that you will find quite interesting because too often we try to treat the issue of domestic violence like it's some science uh, that, you know, that automatically works uh, one way or, or the other. But the reality is, is that this is really a, a serious issue, and one size does not necessarily fit all. And because it does not necessarily fit all, then we have to recognize the fact that there has to be innovative ways in which we reach out. There are innovative ways in which we reach out to one another. There are innovative ways in which we begin to address those that are impacted by domestic violence. And one of the things that our show is really about is not just talking about the victimization. How many know that it's the sick that needs a physician? And so in many cases, we have overlooked the perpetrator. We've overlooked the things that have contributed to the way that that perpetrator thinks and the things that that perpetrator does. And so we're about changing that narrative. We want to address the issue of domestic violence we, from every standpoint. That means for those that have been impacted by it, whether they are the victim of a perpetrator, it is imperative that we begin to have this dialogue. It's imperative that we reach beyond ourselves and begin to uh, look at how can we bring healing to people. Have you thought about the families and children that are suffering because of what they've been exposed to? have definitely compromised the way that they see themselves. It's a compromise in the way that they see their world. And so we have a responsibility. Yes, we do. We have a responsibility inside of this to make a difference, to change the narrative. And we have that responsibility to do so. We have that responsibility to not only change that narrative, but we have that responsibility to be able to bring healing where there's been hurt. And I think that that's what's so very important. And tonight, in just a few minutes, I'm going to get into a few stories that have happened over the past a week or two, and I want to just review them because of the fact there are some tremendous things that have taken place. And inside of those things that have taken place, I think it's so very important that we really look at it for what it is. Too often, we often treat things in the domestic violence as if just do this and do that and everything's okay. But what happens when you've done that, this and the other? 
and there still are issues that happen. I believe that we have a responsibility one to the other. I believe that we have a responsibility to make a difference in a way that is not only tangible, but a way that is far-reaching. Because guess what? Domestic violence is not something that just happened in one instance. It is something that happens over a period of time, and it has a far-reaching impact that oftentimes reaches into generations and generations to come. So I encourage you, inside of this tonight, I encourage you to really make an effort to join in tonight because of the powerful things that are to be said and to be discussed tonight. And I think that you will bring much substance to it tonight. And that's one of the reasons why we do this show in the manner that we do. We think tonight uh, the reality is, is that we can make a difference in a tremendous way. We can make a difference, uh, and I and, and we'll, we'll, we will make a difference that will impact lives, that will I- impact families. So we are looking forward to all that we can discuss here tonight. I believe that you're a great part of that. So I'm looking tonight to actually say some things to you that is going to really strengthen you inside of your resolve. So immediately after this break, we're going to take this quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to get right into our time together. Listen to Hope and Healing, The Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. And remember, you can catch this show every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 8 o'clock p.m. Central. And give them a call tonight at 323-784-9638. 323-784-9638. This is Thor. Three seven eight four nine six three eight. You give Jay a call right now. And now back to the show.
Sports. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and we're so very glad that you've joined us tonight right here in the Soul of America Radio Network. As we were saying before we went to the break, what a tremendous uh, lineup that we really have tonight that we want to talk about. <laughs> and specifically, we want to talk about some cases that have happened over the last few days. Some of them have happened as recently, even as uh, of today. And I'm going to share just a few with you that I think that uh, you will find to uh, that it's very gut-riching, and uh, there's quite a few that I can share with you, and I'm only going to get to a few, and I invite your commentary, I invite your uh, your opinion inside of this, and inside of what do you think that we could do to make a difference. I want to start today with a story that took place here uh, uh, just a few days ago, and this took place in the great state of Nebraska, and I want to bring this to your attention here, where in this particular case here, uh, a 20, no, let me go back to that particular case there. I have two that's in front of me. But I want to bring this particular case to you because I thought this case here merit us really talking about it. Not that the others do not, but I want us to really hear this case here inside of what happened uh, in uh, Nebraska. And, and the reason I want to bring this up, because oftentimes we will say, you know, uh, we really stress a person having a safety plan, and they should. We'll talk about them leaving. And a lot of times people say, well, why don't they just leave an abusive relationship? Why don't they just go? You know, uh, you know, if they hate it so bad, why don't they leave? And we often caution people when they say that because leaving is not that easy. Leaving is not that easy. Oftentimes, the greatest period of danger is when a victim leaves an abusive relationship. And that's for a number of reasons. As a matter of fact, you need to understand the predictability even of the perpetrator changes once the victim leaves. Most times the victim is very much aware of what's going on. The victim is very much aware of the routine of the perpetrator. Once she leaves that routine, guess what? She doesn't know. So she doesn't know what to look for. Or doesn't know when they're going to strike. Doesn't know what's going to happen. But here's a case here that really uh, talks about the fact of someone who did leave. And so here's a case that we pick up in Omaha, Nebraska, that two brothers, John Edwards, age 35, and Jason Edwards, age 41, were the two men shot to death in a West Omaha home during a standoff on Friday. A relative says that John and Jason had gone to the home with their sister, Julie Edwards, the former girlfriend of the alleged killer. The Douglas County Sheriff's Department confirmed the identities of the victims Saturday, adding that the autopsies were scheduled for Sunday. Although it is believed that the suspect, Kenneth Clark, shot and killed himself Friday night, it is still considered an in-custody death. As a result, a grand jury will be convened to look into the situation. This is what happened. John and Jason, both of Papillion, had accompanied Julie of La Vista to the Omaha home of Kenneth Clark to, receive some of, to retrieve some of Julie's belongings. Now, this is what we know. Our source said that Julie had ended her relationship with Clark approximately six months ago and moved out because of an abusive relationship. So let's, let's examine this. Six months ago, she moved out because the relationship was abusive. And so six months ago, she moved out, and here six months later, she gets her two brothers and say, let's go. I need to go and retrieve some of my things. And so this is where we picked up at. John, Jason, and Julia was brought a U-Haul truck to Clark's home on North 140th Street on Friday to recover the items that Julie Edwards had had in Clark's home. The sheriff's department said Julie had made prior arrangements with Clark to do so. So it's not like she didn't tell him, but perhaps her telling him is really what prepared him to do what he did. So while the items were being collected from the home, 
Hawk allegedly shot her brothers, John and Jason. And then once John had crawled to the basement and called the police, he said Jason had died upstairs on the floor near the front door. Now, the, front, the phone call was the first indication that police had that something was wrong. The phone initially gave a location near 150th and Blondo, and authorities were not able to find any evidence of gunshots there. The 911 center eventually, however, determined that the call came from an area near Clark's residence. Investigators found the trail there and the standoff began. And uh, the sources tell the family had been shaken by the death of both John and Jason because they had wives and small children and were themselves members of a large family of seven. Well, gray daylight fell on a summer picture of the bloody scene Saturday as the three bodies were removed from the home where the deadly gunfire happened. Clinic, Kenneth Clark, 45, was the man with the gun. He had hold, he had holed up in his home on 140th Street, just north of Burnett, after the shooting. Family members and authorities were on the scene Saturday where all this unfolded the day before. So during the course of the standoff, however, that lasted more than 11 hours, officials had information that more people, aside from Clark, might have been in the house, but it was not until the incident came to an end in a fog of gas that investigators were able to get inside. A robot made the initial entry. Listen, a robot made a, the initial entry. Three bodies were uh, in the home, and on Saturday morning, officials began the task of sorting through what had happened. And what we do know is out of this that uh, Edwards' brothers and Clark all suffered gunshot wounds. Uh, investigators said Julie Edwards was allowed to leave the house about 1.40 Friday afternoon after being held hostage for several hours as the enforcement troops gathered. So, you know, here's a tragic, here's a tragedy that happened because these two brothers were there to help their sister. Their sister had been in an abusive relationship. Now, what I want to say that is so incredibly important is that we have to understand that domestic violence doesn't just stop with the victim and the perpetrator. Often families are brought into this. Families are brought into abusive relationships voluntarily and involuntarily. What happened on this particular evening was a sister who felt that she had done all the right things. She had been out of the house of her abuser for over six months, but wanted to go back and get belongings. And in going back to get the belongings, she did call and make arrangements with her strange boyfriend to come and get those things. They pulled up in the U-Haul truck, and after pulling up in the U-Haul truck, and as they began to gather their things, the ex-boyfriend began to shoot the brothers, killing them both, and began to go off with gunfire. Now, having said all those things there, they do the right thing. She was out of the relationship. She actually was trying to follow the protocol of making a difference through simply having her brothers there so she felt safe, having her brothers there, felt that she would be safe, and end up basically they were ambushed and uh, was killed in the midst of this. I want you to understand something. It's not always easy to leave. And even when one leaves, you must understand, after one has left, it is still very, very troubling. There's no such thing as saying that it's an easy way to leave an abusive relationship. Leaving an abusive relationship requires a lot. Timing, uh, having the right things in place, doing the things that are going to keep one safe, uh, making sure that there's a safety plan before you leave, knowing uh, what your support systems are, those things are very crucial and very important. 
But I want to call to your attention the fact that when it goes to this extreme here, there is some real issues that impact so many different people. And so when people are impacted by this, we have to understand that we have to reach a little further than our norm in order to make a difference. In this case here, where they, uh, where she went back to get belonging, perhaps some share the opinion that, well, things you can replace for the life you can't. Were those things that valuable that she needed to go back for them? Those are questions we can surmise over all day long. But the reality is here we have lives that are taking. We have families that have been impacted, children that became instant fatherless children because of this tragic event. And it happens more time than we ever want to imagine. But we have a responsibility to keep moving forward and keep moving on. The reality is, and the question that we have to pose for ourselves today is the fact is what is it that we do beforehand when we notice those early warning signs? What are those things that we could do, you know, to be able to help someone that's going through abusive relationships? Or do they have to look at and count whether or not what I'm leaving behind is worth it? Can I reveal? Is this something I can live without? Because surely, in this case here, going back did not serve her well. It actually caused them their lives in the life of family members. Eric code 323 Eric code 323 That's how you reach us. Now, by no means I'm blaming the victim for what has happened. But what I am saying to us is that we have to understand that sometimes we may have to make hard decisions about whether or not this is something I need to go back for. I know the responsibility lies on the person, the abuser, because the fact there are those that cannot deal with the fact of breaking up. When you say we're done and it's through, there are those who do not find themselves on the end of really standing by that. And so they can't take it over and they oftentimes commit domestic violence on their partner. Now, I want to take you to another story that is very similar, and that story took place here in Palm Beach County just a week or so ago, to where here was a case where the woman had broken up with her boyfriend, had talked to him that night. Uh, we don't want to see each other anymore. I want rather for us to move on. Uh, I don't think we're good for each other. Let's move on. He did not receive it. He rejected that. Uh, he didn't want to hear it. He said, sure, we can. Uh, you know, just give it another chance. I don't want to break up. You know, you belong to me, all those type things there. And at the end of the day, what ends up happening is this. He leaves out of the house. He's out in the front there. He stays there for a little bit. He then leaves, and this was like four day in the morning, and come back, and the surveillance camera finds him bend down by the car. And as he's been down by the car, folks, what you need to understand ends up happening is just treacherous. Because it was after that that he then cut her brake line, cut her brake line with the intention of her crashing and dying. It is fortunate that she uh, was able to recognize something was wrong with her brakes and was not at high speed, got out at where she was taking her nephew, I do believe, uh, to school the next morning, called the police, and they came only to find out that a brake line had been cut. They went on to look at surveillance camera, and that's when they discovered what had happened that he had literally cut a break. And so it was attempted murder that he was charged with. And as a result, he was arrested and the family is made safe. But when we're talking about when is it that a person cannot take no as an answer, you got to understand those are very serious warning signs. 
when they cannot take no as an answer, when a person can't uh, take when you don't go along with their idea, when a person is very possessive and self-centered, those are very early warning signs that you need to take note of because they will give you an insight to the character and the temperament of this individual. And so you have to be very careful about those type things. In this case here, he was arrested, and uh, and he is doing uh, time, and he's going to, uh, and he will do time for what he has done inside of this. So that's something I want to bring to your attention because the fact this is a serious matter, and these things are happening all over the country, and we go on as if there's not a big deal. But I want to show you something here uh, because these things are going on a little bit more than we even want to imagine. There are a lot of unsolved cases that deals with domestic violence that we have not uh, really talked about, and a lot of things have gone on. I want to uh, go to this particular case here that I think that you'll find qu uh, quite interesting, because um, here's the case here when we look at this particular couple here, uh, and this happened in uh, Gary, Indiana, I believe. I could be wrong. I'm going to confirm that in a second. But here it is. We have a case here where a Gary woman was shot by the father of one of her children during an argument early on Thursday and fired back with an assault rifle, killing him while her four children were in another room at their home. Uh, Nicole Hanley, age 31, was a good mother and likely saved her own children's life, according to her aunt, Kim. It's sad that the only consolation is that the person who killed her, she killed him and saved her children. And, uh, and we see this happen with the children. The children were in the other room. The, the mother of the children end up shooting because he himself uh, had shot her. So the Gary woman was shot by the father of one of her children during an argument, and then she fired back, and she fired back, killing him. And then so, unfortunately, it came down to that. She saved her life, and more than likely, she saved the life of her children. And so that is one of those cases there that what do you do? You have to consider the fact that domestic violence is never an evil, uh, never an even playing field. It's never an easy thing. And uh, and when we recognize that, we then can begin to make some steps toward doing the things to protect ourselves, keeping our, our families safe. And uh, that's what we have to concentrate on when it comes to these type of cases here. Eric Code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's how you reach us. Area code 323-784-9638. You listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so very glad that you join us tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. We definitely want you uh, to join us in tonight. We invite your questions and your answers. Uh, your comments is so very important today. So if you're calling in by line, uh, by area code 323-784-9638, then we'd like to have your question. Simply hit the number one on your keypad that lets the producer know that you want to come on the air. We'll get you on the air tonight. You don't have to give your name, but we definitely want your questions and your comments. So that's where we are tonight. It's out of hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. We're so glad that you've joined us tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. And uh, I am looking forward to the discussion about some of these other stories that are here. Some of these things are nearly unbelievable that you're seeing happen inside of an abusive and violent relationship. And you ask yourself the question, how did it get to this place? How did it get here? I mean, what caused this to turn out this way? And that is a question that too many people find themselves asking because it is something that impacts every walk of life. And that's what we want to take a look at. Right after this break, we're going to come back from our commercial break. We want to take more of your calls. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Hold Us. 
This is your host, J.R. Fickman, and I'm so very glad you joined us tonight. We'll be right back. After this time. via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in Soulful Talk Radio. by choice to fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook through a search you can find us. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am MD Harlem too, and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thickland. Hope and Healing, a journey of wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickman. I'm so very glad you join us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. And from coast to coast, you find us here every Monday night, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock in the Mountain Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, this is where you find us at, and we're always so glad to come to you. We've been taking some time tonight to deal with some of the cases uh, most recently inside of this whole uh, uh of domestic violence crime watch where we have opportunity uh to actually look at some things that have happened recently as, uh, as far as domestic violence and uh we have read a couple of stories and we want to read a few more to you but i want your opinion uh i want your opinion i want your comments about these stories how would you handle it 
what do you see happening there that could have possibly been prevented? Or, you know, just your comment on the stories in and of itself. That's what I would like to get tonight from you as you listen to us tonight. Uh, we just got through talking about a story of a mother who found herself uh, shot by them uh, and uh, uh, shot by her, her children's father, and she sh- retaliated, uh, killing him with a gunshot. And so, uh, you know, uh, that is something that uh, that we have to consider, the fact she had to defend herself. Uh, you know, and I want to just say that inside of these situations, they're not always cut and dry. Uh, and they're not always just uh, simple as they look. And as a result, that people may find themselves on the defensive. And when they find themselves on the defensive, oftentimes the uh, immediate response or immediate reaction is to retaliate uh, from this type of abuse. And that's what we're looking at now. And so I want to take a look at one other story, not one other story, but I want to share another story with you. And I really want your feedback on this one because I think it leads uh, to a lot of things happening here. We talked about the couple there in uh, uh, there in Gary and Anna, but I want to look at something that uh, I want to look at this from a different standpoint. I want to uh, look at this here. I want to read this to you because I think this is very important. This is a little piece called This is Not a Love Story. And in, uh, in light of Valentine's Day being yesterday, I want to look at this. In the United States, more women are killed by their intimate partners than by any other group of people. Think about it. More women are killed by people who they have a relationship with, an intimate partner, than they are killed by any other people. What else do we know about this? We know the fact that this type of violence happens more than we'd like to even admit in our society. What do we know? We know the fact that this isn't a love story. America's deadly domestic violence problem that we don't look into another. I believe, as does many, that these deaths are preventable. So when we look at this, I want to take us into this story here. This is not a love story. It was just a few minutes into 2016 when shots rang out in El Cajon, California. Neighbors assumed it was a laboratory gunfire. It wasn't unusual for someone to fire off a few rounds to mark the new year. Hati Fadananu, 41, called police and said he shot his wife, 34-year-old Mary Fadananu. Their six children were home, and the prosecutor said the couple's eight-year-old son witnessed everything. Well, we do understand that it wasn't just that, that on the other side of the country in Queens, New York, 19-year-old Jocelyn Romo and her boyfriend, Fabian Melissa, 24, argued after coming home from a New Year's Eve party. Later, her body was found face down in her bedroom, beaten and strangled. Her boyfriend has been charged with murder. Romo had the grotesque humor, honor, I should say, of being the first homicide victim in New York City in 2016. Stephanie Bradbury, 24, and her boyfriend, J. Patrick Bowman, 21, fought after leaving his friend's house in Amazonia, a small town north of Kansas City, Missouri. A few minutes past midnight, Bowman called 911 to report he had accidentally shot his girlfriend in the head. The couple had a four-month-old son. A few days earlier, Bradbury had posted a photo on Facebook of her baby with the caption, My Little Man's First Christmas. 
See, on just the first day of the year, at least eight women in different parts of the country were killed. In each instance, the suspect was a husband, boyfriend, ex, or lover. And the bloodletting didn't let up in the month that followed. Every day somewhere in the U.S., at least one woman and allegedly or was allegedly killed by an intimate partner. Someday, four or five women died. All told, at least 112 people were killed in the last month in suspected intimate partner homicide. A staggering death toll that includes children and bystanders. This is what the Huffington Post found. We reached that tally by recording and then following up on local news reports. We counted all fatal attacks in which the victim and alleged perpetrator were married, dating, had children in common, or previously had been in a romantic relationship. By the way, that's how you define domestic violence. Though we undoubtedly missed some cases, we believe we accumulated a comprehensive snapshot of the carnage. See, the federal government doesn't track such death in a meaningful way, even though there's compelling argument for it to do so. Experts consider intimate partner homicides among the most predictable and preventable of all murders because they tend to follow well-established patterns. In the cases we examined, we found evidence that a large portion of the women killed had previously been abused by their partner. In many instances, there were signals and circumstances that there were signals that circumstances might turn deadly. More women are killed by their intimate partner in the United States by than by any other group of people. It's not strangers, friends or acquaintances who pose the biggest threat to women's lives. It is the men that date and marry. Folks, this isn't a love story. This is really sad. It's a travesty to think that this is what we live with. It's a travesty to think that people live these type lives. And, uh, and so it will be very important for us to begin to work very furiously. And it's very important for us to be able to address this from a systemic point, individuals, corporately, in every way. And when we begin to do that, we will begin to see a difference made inside of domestic violence. This is really, really a serious issue. As I read those stories to you, that is only just a little bit, a handful of what we see happening across the country. And that's why we have to do something about it. I have a caller that's on the line, and if you'd like to get in tonight, all you have to do is hit number one on your keypad. If you're listening in tonight by phone, Erico 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us. Hit number one on your keypad. You don't have to give your name, but it will let our producer know that you want to get on the air. and We will get you on the air. Thank you so much, our caller, our dear friend, number ending in 6250. Good evening, and welcome to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. You're on the air. Okay. Good evening, Pastor Ficklin. Good evening. Um, How are thanks. you? Oh, yes. I am excellent. Uh, pretty good. Great. Um, I would like to comment on the, um, well, as, as a former uh, domestic violence survivor, victorious survivor, yes. today, right, I would like to um, respond um, to, to the stories, especially the one, the first one in particular. I would like to respond to the overall mindset of the abuser or perpetrator. See, first of all, we have to have a, a clear understanding of the mindset 
or or the way a perpetrator thinks. Okay, Absolutely. that's extremely that's extremely vital. Oftentimes, the abuser has already established and maintained a pattern of power and control in every aspect of the relationship, and this control also spills over in the area of if the victim decides to leave. Okay? In other words, yeah, the abuser, yeah, in other words, the abuser chooses even how the victim finally leaves the relationship. All right? And for instance, it's all about their way or the highway or the abuser feels as though if I can't have you, then no one will. Okay? I think that is very very uh, is it, uh, very very crucial to uh, like I said un- understand that they are they are wired so differently. Um, like no, uh, you're not going to leave me, okay? And even if you do, I will tell you, I will see to it how you leave. Okay, and this is and yes. this actually, this is why. And this is why it's so vital for individuals to know the warning signs and red flags um, of, a, of an abuse in the first place. Okay? Absolutely. And, yes, um, and I'd also like to uh, comment, um, especially the first incident when she went back, so she went back, um, you know, to collect her, her belongings and her, her stuff. And she did actually have a plan of a safety, safety plan, um, you know, um, intact, which and this is you know this is what um, you know this is what we educate um, uh, you know on and, and and tell victims you know uh, you know uh, how to go about it and what to do. And unfortunately, yes, this um, this happened. In that case, I could say, um, especially I'm going to take it from a personal standpoint. In my case, um, uh, when I had a go back, well, first of all, I did not go back um i i just i prayed and asked the lord to give me a strategy and again this is very important you talked about timing timing is very important the the victim uh, cannot disclose any information to the perpetrator or abuser of when they're going to leave or if they're going to leave. For instance, this is very unwise. You know what? Uh, for instance, it's like a victim say, you know what, I'm going to leave you. You know, I don't want to be with you anymore. Matter of fact, I'm going to leave you in two weeks. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you soon. That gives, that will give the, the perpetrator some time to plan. Okay? Um, and I, I just want to say that. A support system. Um, it, in my case, when I was leaving, I knew exactly where I was going. Okay, uh, whom I was going to, the country where I was going, um, how I was going to get there, um, and in most cases, uh, the, the victim it is wise for the victim to do it. Like I said, without any knowledge of the perpetrator knowing, the perpetrator cannot be there. That is very wise. Uh, uh, just a, I should say, a close best friend. Very, very few people um, should know. Very, very few. Like I say, strategy. 
all about strategy. And in my case, I did go, I prayed. I said, Lord, Heavenly Father, just, just show me how to. And he did. Like I said before and time and time again, he is the ultimate deliverer. There, there has to be a covering. See, many times um, it's, a, it's, a, it's more than just a, yes, it is a social problem. Domestic violence is, is, is a dangerous, it's very, very damaging to all parties involved. You know, especially the victim and, and the, the the perpetrator do you know have to be held accountable, um, also, okay. Um, but it's it's more than that. It's a, actually a spiritual issue also. It's a deep rooted cultural issue or cultural belief, also, okay. That's in society. So that's that's all I had to you know want to say about that. Well, real good advice because of the fact uh, people do need to know how to leave. And as you pointed out, although that young lady did leave, and she did leave, she had a safety plan and all those things that happened. But it goes to show you that some plans are not necessarily foolproof. And in this case here, she had been gone six months, and she decided to go back to get some of her things. And sometimes, and please understand, we're not blaming the victim here. Sometimes you do have to make a decision. If it's something that is not absolutely positively irreplaceable and or irreplaceable, then you may have to say, I'd rather have my safety, my peace of mind, and my life than to go back and try to get those things there. Or if you go back, uh, uh, if you go back, then you know, make sure you have a police officer to accompany you. That's what's so very important. In this case here, I wonder having a police officer. What would what difference would that have made? Perhaps a great difference inside of that, and we have to consider that. And those things are very important. And so that is what we want to make sure that we get uh, the point across tonight that, that we recognize that. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. Area code three two four seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us. We're here tonight, uh, J.R. Fickman. You're listening to Hope and the Healing, a journey to hold us, and we're so glad that you're taking the time to join us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Right now, we'll take your call. Those of you listening from coast to coast, all you have to do is hit number one on your keypad that lets our producer know that you're on the airway and you want to come on the air, and we'll get you on the air tonight. Now, one of the things I want to say to you that I think is so imperative as we're waiting on your calls to come in tonight and everything, I want you to recognize the fact that all of us have a part that we can play in reducing and eradicating domestic violence. It's not just on me. It is, it is all of us. It is all of us that have a responsibility because our communities are torn by violence. Our families are destroyed by violence. Our faith is tested by violence. Therefore, it's incumbent upon us to respond to the violence that we are oftentimes encountering as it relates to domestic violence. We are the difference maker. We can make the difference, and that difference can be made in our lives even now. And so, Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us tonight. Hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Hope and Healing, our journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'll be right back after this commercial break.
This is the soul of America Radio. Thank you for listening to J.R.L. Thicklin, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We feature every Monday night a show solely devoted to people that are going through abuse, some type of problem in your lives that you can't work out. We mainly focus on domestic violence, the cancer in our lives. Join J.R.R. Thicklin, your host, here every Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock p.m. Central, right here on the Soul of America Radio. You can contact Jay every Monday night at 323-784-9638. Or you can listen to him online. Just follow at soulofamericaradio.com and listen for look for live streams. And that way you can speak or listen, whichever your choice may be. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin, on the Soul of America Radio. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. internet you're probably seeing a series of advertisements please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio by choice to fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio.
I am in the Harlem too, and I am fighting the power on the soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thickland. Welcome back to Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight, and you're listening to the Soul of America Radio Network. As you know, the whole month of February is Black History Month, and we dare not, uh, you know, go this month without reflecting on Black history, but also reflecting on not only the progress that we made, but things that we need to really consider as we move forward. I am one that totally, I validate the whole Black Lives Movement. I believe that it's important. But I also have a different perspective on the Black Lives Matters movement. I believe that Black Lives does matter. I think that we have to uh, understand that, that our lives are valuable, that we're not disposable. We're not just meant to be shot in the streets like dogs. But I also believe that we as Black people have to get that message first and foremost. I believe that we have to understand the value of our lives. And the best way to show that we understand the value of our lives is the way that we conduct ourselves and conduct our lives. I do believe that we have to stand up and we have to be demonstrable in what we do. I do believe, uh, and uh, I do believe that we have to take that opportunity and take that chance uh, because I believe that that's the only way that we make progress. And I believe that the only way that we make progress in a big way is that we have to show that black lives not only matter, but we value one another's lives. And so when we understand that we, we are uh, value one another life, then we can make a difference right now. And so as I'm saying that to you and everything, and I'm actually getting a message here uh, concerning someone who's actually dealing with a domestic violence situation right now. As we are moving forward, we have to understand the fact that one of the ways that we are able to demonstrate that black lives matter and that we value one another lives, it can be seen in the way that we treat each other. And we can do it right now. And so we can begin to show inside of the way that we treat one another. And when we look at the way that we treat one another, it will make a difference in the way that people receive us and the way we receive one another. Domestic violence is not an easy thing to get out of. Not at all. And no one makes any bones about that. There are many people that are in an abusive relationship that doesn't have the support system that they need when they get out. See, that's why family and friends are important. That's why organizations, sororities, and fraternities, and especially churches are important inside of this. So often we look at domestic violence from a criminal standpoint and just who is the bad guy, who is the good guy, and all those things, that we forget about the fact there are real people involved here. There are children involved. There are families involved. There are lives that are at stake here. Leaving is not so easy, especially when they don't have resources. You ever thought about what it takes to relocate? To start over from fresh, to understand that it's already frightening as it is, but to have to do so, knowing not what the next step will be, yeah, that's pretty frightening, my friend. And so we have to understand that inside of this plight, we cannot be the ones to sound like we're blaming the victim when we say, well, why didn't they just leave? Why do they stay in the first place? 
Well, there are a number of reasons why they stay. And I want to get a chance to share with you, and this is courtesy of YouTube, but via our president and CEO of the Solo America Radio. And I want you to hear something here. I want you to just hear in a little bit about victims speaking out. And then I want to play a clip of why the victims don't leave. We'll be right back after this. I want to hear your comments after this here. I still look over my shoulder every day, and the fear's still there. This woman was a victim of domestic abuse. She has chosen to conceal her identity because even though she is free, the fear is still there. For her, getting the courage to leave the comfortable life she knew and not return was the hardest part. I left 11 times. She tried therapy and counseling, but nothing stopped the abuse. I thought that, you know, if I loved him enough, that he would love me back. Ultimately, it was the concern for her children that made her leave. When I saw it affecting my children, I guess that was what really made my mind up. For this victim and some others, they're able to escape their dangerous relationship and find comfort and safety in shelters like the one behind me. Abuse Alternatives in Bristol provides an emergency shelter, therapy, court advocacy, and much more. They, you know, tried to just guide me in a direction without putting too much pressure. During the holidays, she was upset about making it a normal one for her children, but Abuse Alternatives took care of that as well. I had no idea how I was going to do Christmas for my kids, and they saw that Santa came. Since leaving her husband and coming to abuse alternatives, she has noticed an improvement in her children's attitudes. They smile more. They're open more. They're happy. And they feel safe. With the recent tragedy in Glade Spring, this victim knows that a similar fate could have been hers if she never got the courage to escape. I think if uh, I didn't have abuse alternatives to turn to, that you would be doing the story that you've done on her, on me. Kelsey Lair, 19 News, Bristol. Wow. And so as we come back from that particular story there, we have to understand it's not easy for victims to get out. We welcome your comments, your questions. There we go, 323 That's how you reach us. You just put the number one on the keypad if you desire to have a question and or comment. Because I think you heard it at first. Uh, you heard it from a victim that speaks out spoke out, and then I want you to hear just a little clip of why domestic violence victims don't leave. It's not because they enjoy it. I promise you that. It can be really hard economically to leave a domestic violence situation. As a single woman, you're now challenged with paying for rent, utilities, and everyday costs on your own. If you add children to that, you're now including medical expenses, school expenses, Sometimes it can seem insurmountable. You also have emotional factors. No one asks someone to go on a date and then punches them in the face. So we see it a lot that our women are in love with their abusers. This is the father of their children. This is the person they build a life with. Maybe they own a home together. Maybe they've traveled the world together. Violence is one part of their relationship, a very bad part of the relationship. We see women that normally go back seven or eight times before they finally make a reason to leave. And sometimes it's not the violence that stops it. Sometimes it's the kids that finally make her leave. Sometimes it's the pets that finally make her leave. 
Sometimes it's a friend who finally got across to her that she should leave before she gets hurt. There's so many reasons to leave, and there's very strong reasons to go back. We can't be judgmental. We need to support any victim that's going through it. And as you heard there, what a tremendous, uh, just little real-life feeling of what happens and the difficulties of why victims uh, find it difficult to leave. And that's what we have to always consider before we ever judge a victim. We need to understand the fact of what's going on, what is going on in their world, what compromises their fault. Oftentimes, it's the family, it's the children. It is, what do I do next? Where do I go? How do I survive? Those are questions that are there, and I believe that it's time now that we as uh, individuals, as organizations, we recognize that you cannot, the, 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 the law enforcement cannot solve the issue of domestic violence by itself. Neither can any social service organizations uh, solve it by itself. That's why it requires a community response. That's why we have to be on board. The church needs to be on board. These are the most vulnerable people and vulnerable families that are that are exposed to it, little kids that are exposed to this type of violence, but oftentimes that we begin to see it show up inside of their education, inside of their uh, cognitive development, inside of their grades and things, being impacted. The very small majority of them that become overachievers compared to the majority of them that out, that actually does a lot of things that, that, uh, that involves so much, that involves so much with this family. So we have to keep that in mind. We have to keep that in mind inside what we're doing, inside of the things that we want to do to make a difference, and that's what we have to be about. Let's make a difference inside of this. When we make a difference inside of addressing this issue of domestic violence, when we make a difference, our families will be safer, our communities will be safer. We've got to look out even to the men, the perpetrators in most cases, what is going on inside of their heart and their mind. What were they exposed to growing up? How did they learn this violent behavior? Why did this become their violence? How did it become their, if you would, their drug of choice? These are things that we have to have a talk about. I want to take just a few minutes here, and uh, as I wait on your phone calls, those of you can reach me, Eric, 323-784-9638. That's how you can reach us. But I want to take this time just to play this last little clip here, and I want you to hear this. Because here's the domestic violence victim speaking out. And I think that as we listen to this domestic violence victim speak out, I think that we'll find out that, you know, once again, while we stayed, this is going to be a real insight into while we stayed from a, a, long, a longer version of it. Stay tuned. It is the question that I'm asked the most. Why did I stay? Why does any woman stay? And for the life of me, I can't understand why people are obsessed with it. Because to me, it's so obvious. Why does anybody stay with somebody that they love? You know, we've all been in relationships that, even if they weren't abusive, we're not working any longer. And we all stay far longer than we want. And it's you stay for the same reasons. You stay because you love the person or you love what you used to have or you're trying to take care of your children. 
When we ask, why did you stay, you know, we're blaming the victim for their abuse, as opposed to asking, why did you hit this person? Or why are you violent? Or why do you feel the need to be violent? Why would somebody abuse, why would somebody beat the people who love him or her most on earth? Until we ask that question, we won't be able to obliterate domestic violence. We have got to focus on the perpetrators of violence, not the victims. It's cliche, but he really was Prince Charming. He was very kind and sweet and nice. I left what I was doing to come and be with him, and I was alone with him. I didn't have any uh, friends or family in the area. I couldn't find a job, so he paid the bills. And so we got into an argument, and that's the first time that he hit me. He actually threw me up against the wall and started to choke me. Um, and I didn't really understand what was happening because he was not that person all this time. Um, and so when he finally let me go, I thought it was something I did. You know, I wasn't thinking to run. After we got married, it didn't stop. It just got worse and worse and worse. And I felt like I was trapped. At that point, we had moved from where we were across the country again, and I was further isolated. I didn't have any friends or family. And essentially, he still was the breadwinner. I was dependent on him. So if I left, what was I, what was I gonna do? Where was I gonna go? You know, who, how was I gonna take care of myself? I felt like no one would understand and I felt like no one would care. The first full-out physical attack was five days before the wedding. Part of me knew I had to leave him right then, that I couldn't marry somebody who had done this. But then this other part of me said, but wait, it was one time. And I told myself he'd never do it again, that I was sure he was very sorry, and um, I didn't leave. I married him. You stayed with this guy. Yeah, I didn't have a choice. I mean, he told me, and I, and I absolutely, you know, that's the part that is always so interesting to me. It's like, you know, the standard question, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Well, uh, he was trained by the United States Marine Corps to hunt people down and kill them, and he told me if I left, he would hunt me down and kill me. That's why I didn't leave. I used to pull what he would call my disappearing acts. And that would be, I would, you know, get the boys and get out because I, it just was getting too intense. But I would always go back because at least I knew where he was. At least I knew the routine. I knew what to expect. But, you know, it's, it's a terrible way to live to always be looking over your shoulder. He didn't start out with being abusive. He started out with being incredibly sweet and incredibly attentive and incredibly thoughtful and incredibly kind and saying things to me that no one had ever said and, and paying attention to me in ways that no one ever had. You know, and I was really taken by it. One of the reasons why we stay is because the behavior is such a drastic change from the person we met in the beginning and we're constantly looking for the man in the beginning 
instead of concentrating on the man that is in front of us. Once I understood that, then I made the decision, you know, I got to go. This is not the same man I married. I mean, I love him, but he's going to kill me. With every violent um, moment, I felt further connected to him in this kind of twisted way. I felt that, you know, we had this secret that, that bound us together and that this was something big and we were working on it. And so we had to stay together until we worked it out. The violence got to a point where I realized that I, I could die. I had to create a plan. I had to figure out where I was going to go and how I was going to get there and who I was going to reach out to for help if there was any. I was scared. I was afraid that he would find me. I was afraid that he would be so angry that I left, that he would come after me. I couldn't just get up and walk away. And it was the most terrible feeling to know that I could leave and I still couldn't leave because I was bound by this psychological trap that I thought was love that wasn't love. You know, I had so much denial. If you had come to me and said, are you being physically abused? You know, if my doctor had asked me or a best friend, I would have said, no, I'm not being physically abused. You do feel isolated and you keep a lot of secrets. You know, you keep a lot of secrets in your, in your heart, in your home, in your head. I stayed because I believed him when he said he wasn't gonna do it again. I stayed because I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have any money. I didn't have access to any resources. I stayed because my religious community convinced me that I couldn't get divorced because God would hate me. Um, I stayed because I loved him. You know, I stayed because he was the love of my life and I wanted to believe that love could conquer all, including abuse.
but that's not necessarily true. So I want to bring on right now our president uh, and, uh, of the Solo America Radio Network, and I'd like to get him on. Uh, uh, you're on the air tonight. I know that you definitely have some, uh, uh, some, some thoughts about that tonight, and thank you. What a beautiful piece that you've gathered there, and I really appreciate that. Oh, Jay, how are you tonight? Uh, doing well, doing well. Thanks so much. Uh, you know, I I wasn't gonna even say anything, but uh, what what I what shocked me about the last piece, what not really shocked me, what what I became aware of that was in the back of my brain that I just hadn't thought of in in a long time, Jay, is that you, she was right. Um, there are uh, uh, there are belief systems out there that tell a, a person that's going through a domestic violence situation or they may even suspect it, but they'll tell them you can't do that. You, you can't break this relationship. You can't break God's covenant. You you can't go out of God's will for you to be with this man. And I, I never really thought about the fact that uh, there are some belief systems, and, and they don't mean bad by it, Jay. It's just the way they were brought up. It's just the way and they'll tell them, your mama didn't divorce, your 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 great man and you know and the and the and the sad thing about it is sometimes there's domestic abuse that goes through family generations and they will tell each other all the way down, my mom uh, didn't leave, her mom didn't leave and on up. So you have to stay in this because you got to keep your uh responsibilities to your belief system, and I just it just slipped my mind that that is something that is a pressure, an added pressure that they're feeling when they are trapped in a, an abusive relationship. Jay, and you, you you hit it on the head, and, and not only is the added pressure, that statement alone is really a faith statement, you know. And uh, you know, I, I just got back from Oakland, uh, California, on uh, actually on yesterday. I mean, I ended up on a red eye flight from Los Angeles. And got back yesterday, and part of our time in Oakland was about training pastors there inside of domestic violence. And one of the things that we talked about is the fact, what happens when your preaching of the scripture is interpreted as if God is holding someone hostage and bondage to an abusive relationship? So wow. when we start saying, and I and I, we teach this all the time, when, when, uh, when people say, well, look, if you get divorced, you're breaking the marital covenant. You know, and you can't break the marital covenant. You made a vow. And the thing that we actually instruct them in saying is the fact that divorce is not what broke the marital covenant. The abuse was the first thing that broke the marital covenant. Because the right. abuse broke it because he didn't love his wife as himself. The abuse broke it because right. of the fact he, he injured and he brought pain and brought suffering to his own wife. And so when we look at this, right. when we have big belief system who has been so undergirded by their faith, where they feel like, okay, there are those that says, well, I have to stay in this because I'm suffering for Christ's sake. Well, you're not suffering for mm-hmm. Christ's sake. Christ already paid the price that you don't have to. And so Amen. that's wrong. When people's belief system is often undergirded by their faith, and they have an erroneous interpretation of that, it does it does provide a guilt trip. And you gave a perfect example. When a person said, well, I endured it. Your grandmother endured it. You know, mm-hmm. as if somebody needs to go and get them a trophy. No, 
That's not right. the that's not right. the answer there. The fact that you endured it, and yet it's still you might not see the impact that your enduring it might have had on those kids. And I've dealt with cases like right. that where, where 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 actually victims stayed in abusive relationships too long. And I, I never forget dealing with a particular case. This woman was a professional. She was a guidance counselor at a school. She was doing her thing. Her husband was very abusive. The thing about it, he's very abusive. She would go to work many times, uh, black and blue, and endure it through the whole thing. Okay, her two oldest kids went through it, and they wanted her to get out so bad she wouldn't get out. She didn't get out. Her last child, who was the baby, was so in love with her father that by the time the woman did get out of it, the last child resented her, while the other two kids said, why did you wait so late to get out of it? And so there are so many things that are locked into there. You know, you're feeling the pressure. Well, I don't want my kids. And we find this happening a lot of time with women. They themselves have had experiences where they've grown up without their fathers, and so they don't want their children to grow up without their fathers, so they pick the less of two evils. Well, the real tough question to answer is is this. Would you rather have a healthy father that is absent than to have a present father that is abusive and they're on the scene? See, because if she divorces and they are parenting separately, but there's peace that's going on with the child and that, and they're not being exposed to that, that's your one choice. Or do you stay there inside of it and let the child live day in and day out with World War III going on? Because mm. somewhere along the line, you're not going to get what you think that you're getting. So the father remained there, but he remained there upon the cloak of being abusive and battering. How did that impact the children? Those are tough things to answer. Those are tough things to choose from. But what we do know is this, not doing anything oftentimes does a whole lot of things, including uh, compromising that child's uh, uh, cognitive development, They're, the way that they see themselves. A lot of times self-esteems are, are either lowered and, and really uh, being down because of a person living in an abusive relationship. Those are the things that we have to consider. And so many times, you know, that's why you hear me talk so much about we have to do more. I made up in my mind this year, Tony, that I want to reach out to corporations and foundations. I want to be able to have Destiny by Choice to be an organization that is able to help stabilize families. Everybody's not going to go to a shelter, and shelters doesn't necessarily accept everybody. But we've got to have other type of, if you would, uh, uh, you know, emergency transition or uh, some type of thing to triage houses or to be able to get people out of these abusive relationships because they suffer. Mm-hmm. Their children suffer. They go through this whole thing about their own identity and who they are. And they shouldn't have to live that way. There are many perpetrators right. out there. They need help. They need help. They need help. Right. They don't know any other way to deal with their issues other than to put their hands on and to fight. I'm not saying let's go get, get him a blanket or get him a Kleenex or, uh, you know, and, and take out the violin. But what I am saying, let's not overlook the fact that here's an individual who may be a second, third, or fourth generation victim themselves and have never gotten what they need. That is the thing that we right. have to consider. And we have to fight hard for right. that. We have to. 
And so, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. That's a lot of work to be done. And I and I won't give up. This is the year 2016. It's a transformational year. We've got to do all we can while we can to make a phenomenal difference inside of the lives of people. Children suffer, and they don't have the autonomy to make the decisions that adults do. But a child just can't put up right. and say, I'm through with you. I'm gone. There's stuff. Right. And, and- and, and Jay, I wanted to add before I go. I know you're running a show on time. I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I've always done this, even on my shows. I try to offer a solution, and I'm not a, I'm surely not a, uh, an, an, as, as much of an expert on the issue as you are, and some of the other people, and even the survivors. But I would say, if there's somebody listening, and you're trapped in something, either if you're on, you're on the internet, or if you're listening by way of, uh, of, uh, I, I, iTunes or Amazon or. Uh, or somewhere on the road, you hear this this broadcast a year later because it goes all over the world, and and you you heard some things tonight that sound similar to what you're going through. I can't speak professionally, but I can tell you what I feel. I would make a list of those things that I feel are keeping me there. I would sit down somewhere quiet and make a list. Then I call that national hotline at eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three, and I would say, Hey, look, I'm in this situation, and I don't know what to do. And I'm staying because of blah blah blah. And like the uh, the second clip, I think you played. Jay said this: the, the the they were able to call a number and they were able to get help on the issues that were the reasons that she was that she was staying. So for somebody listening, that would be some hands-on stuff that I that I would tell you to do. And like I said, I would, you know, uh, I'm no, I'm I'm not as close to the issue as, as you, Jay, and some of the other people. But that's where I would start. And I that's Let me share. No, 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 that is that is excellent. That is sound advice because you know, before you say I can't leave, list all the reasons why you feel like that you haven't left, and then as you list those reasons, call that national hotline number wherever you may be in the United States. One eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. One eight hundred seven nine nine faith, and call them and begin to speak to them and let them know I'm in an abusive relationship. I've been in an X amount of time. I want to get out of this, but I, I don't feel like I can, I can get out because of A, B, B, D. Voice it to them. Let them give you some direction and some guidance inside of that. Sometimes that direction guidance may even come in the form of monetary help, relocation help, uh, assistance and resources. That is what we have to look at. And so I'm really grateful for that information. Thanks so much again, uh, uh, Tony. Uh, I mean, I appreciate everything that you do. You have been a real crusader, not only with the Soul of America Radio Network, but inside of the causes that affects the lives of so many people. Listen, our time is just about gone, but it's been a great hour and a half with you tonight. I want you to understand there's no excuse for abuse. Reach out to somebody. Let someone know that there is help. Listen, know that your silence only perpetuates the violence. But if you're willing to do something about it, how many know we can make a better world out of what we're going on? And so until next time, this is J.R. Thicklin saying good night, and I'll see you on the Solo America Radio Network. Hey, 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 hey what's up, man? Brother, oh, what's up? This is hey, a two-big party, man. Yeah, I'm brother, like, stop. Right on. <laughs> Right.
brother, brother There's far too many of you dying You know we've got to find a way To bring some loving here today Father, Father We don't need to escalate For only love can come to hell You know we've got to find a way To bring some love and kiss here today Pick it black and pick it fast Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see Yeah. 